You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. Actually, it's the, it's the lead play in our, in our offense. YN has the linebacker taken out, he cuts inside. The YN has the linebacker in, he comes all the way around. If you look at this play, what we're trying to get is a seal here, and a seal here, and try to run this play in the alley. What's up, guys? Welcome into Packers Total Access. My name is Clayton. You can check us out on Packernet.com. You can find me on Twitter at Packers underscore access. If you want to email the show, you can send a message to Packers Total Access at gmail.com. You can text the show at 865-658-5824. I'm joined alongside Tim live in Green Bay, and we're trying a little bit different layout tonight. Rather than you guys have to stare six inches from our ugly mugs, we're going to try to <laughs> zoom it out a bit and give you a little shot of Lambo. So let us know if you like that or not. Um, some of you probably want to see the vein popping out in my skull when people uh, start talking about uh, uh, what they think they understand about what <laughs> happened during the game. But that's a uh, that's a whole other topic. But, Tim, how was your day, buddy? I know you just scarfed down some food, and I appreciate you hopping on here. I'm, I'm taking my last couple bites here, man. We had a little breakfast for dinner tonight. I like it. Um, yeah, dude, you can't go wrong with that. Man, always good, man, it's, as long as bacon's involved, right? Yes, yes. <laughs> no, a good day, man, just uh, staying busy, you know. Um, trying to catch up with everything and happy to be here. Yeah, definitely do. All right. We got a first super chat here. Josh Martin. Thank you for the super chat. He says, man, this loss broke me as a Packer fan. Terrible. Um, yeah. You know, Josh, here's it. I, I've kind of been uh, stamped with the positive Packer fan role, I guess, um, is what people tell me at least. <laughs> um, I don't feel like I'm being positive this year, but I guess comparatively speaking, maybe um, here's the thing we got to put into perspective. As Packer fans going into this season, we knew it was going to be a six to 10 win. I, I say we knew that's what I project. I thought six to 10 wins is what I was expecting. And I was thinking if you win six games, right. And Jordan Love has a, you know, uh, I think I said the touchdown ratio I was looking for was, was 25 to 15, right. Touchdown to interception ratio. I would feel like, okay, we can work with that. We may have the quarterback of the future. Um, you know, at the same time, if you, if you win six games, you're going to have a fairly high pick. You've got the extra pick from the Jets. You, you're kind of reloading. I know a lot of people didn't want to hear that, you know, and, and it, it is truly remarkable. And I, I'm not trying to take a, a sideways shot at anybody, but it's pretty remarkable that those people that were so upset that people were saying this is a rebuilding year are the ones who were like, flush it all, fire everybody, run everybody out of Green Bay, right? It's And it's because some people were very emotionally high and very emotionally low, and that's okay. You can fan how you want. Not that you are, Josh. I'm just speaking in general. 
But we got to come back to center and go, listen, we were expecting six to ten wins. And, you know, Vegas had them, I think, at seven and a half. Remember, guys, they had us finishing dead last in the NFC North, right? So that was kind of the floor coming into the season. Now, I think we got our hopes up in those first couple of weeks. I know I did. Um, and, and I don't want to say I was wrong for it because they showed some really good things in those first couple of weeks. But as the season goes along, the thing that's really starting to set in on me, when you start to put things on tape, and Mike Wall talks about this really, really well. And by the way, if you guys haven't seen it, he did an awesome breakdown of the Broncos game. I love how he's getting more and more relaxed and how he breaks it down. It's just like you're sitting back watching the tape with him. And he, he's not like me where he's trying to be very, very detailed and, hey, here's the personnel, here's this, here's that. He's pointing out mainly the fundamentals and, and what fundamentally went right or wrong with the game. But make sure you go check that out. But these are the type of things he's he's talking about, you know, in breaking down the tape. Um, and, you know, it's really important to get multiple perspectives, right, um, on, on how the game actually unfolded. You know, so many times I watch the game live and then I go back and watch it again, and it's it feels like two different games. It's just ama- – I mean, it really is amazing. You guys should really try to do that. I'm sure you do, but it's remarkable how – Tim, I'll sit down and watch the game live and then go back and watch the tape, and I'm like, this – this isn't what I remember, <laughs> right? And I try to take good notes, and and those things definitely do show up on tape. But, you know, one of the things that I was very frustrated with was we would get a little bit of momentum spreading things out, which I don't know if you guys noticed that, but we spread things out a little bit more yesterday against the Broncos. The problem was you've seen success when they did it, but then they would go right back to the condensed sets, and then they would sputter, and then they go back to the spread – and things would open up, and they'd go back to the condensed, and it would sputter. And that was my frustration with Matt LaFleur. I had several people reach out to me, and uh, a lot of Packernet listeners, because if you guys listen to Packernet Podcast with Ryan Schlipp, you know, he's been kind of giving his um, opinion on it. And he – I don't want to say he's defending uh, – I don't want to – I don't know if the right word is is defending Matt LaFleur, but he's definitely seeing receivers open. And that is true. Now, some people were going, but Clayton, you've been – You've been, you know, moaning about the the uh, the scheme for weeks. Correct. There's multifacets to the offensive side of football, right? I'm seeing, and I've said it on this show. I'm I'm seeing receivers get schemed open. You can see that. The problem is the quarterback isn't seeing it. He's not checking down when he needs to check down. Now, yesterday he checked down more often. However, um when the game's on the line at the very end of the game, you did that all game long. And now is the time to really check down and get yourself in field goal range. And he tries to go for the kill shot, which just made no sense. But as far as the scheme itself, the problem I have is leaning too heavy on 12 and 13 personnel, mainly 12 personnel and running the condensed sets that this league has caught on to. right? That's the things that really get. Now, when you go to the eye formation, you notice we had a little bit of success out of the eye. That's a whole different ball game because you you've got, multiple angles at which you can attack the run defense and they've got to respect that. But when you come out in a 12 personnel and you got two tight ends on one side of the field and they're expecting sift action, you're somewhat predictable as soon as that sift breaks. I mean, you're giving them their, their, you're giving them their run defense key right off the bat, if that makes sense. So um, again, the way I see the offense right now, um, I think that it's partially on Matt LaFleur uh, refusing to get out of that 12 personnel. Um, I think it's, a lot of it is on Jordan Love, who's played bad, in my opinion. Um, and we're going to look at his statistics later. Just so you guys know, we're going to hit on the PFF offensive grades, the defensive grades, the special teams grade very briefly. A quick Mike Wall video that I tweeted out 
We're going to talk a little bit about Tay Wicks, and then we're going to talk about Jordan Love and his grades by location of passes, as well as where he stacks up statistically right now. Now, SIS hasn't been updated yet, so I'm a little bit limited on the statistics, but we're going to kind of dive into it. So, um, yeah, Chris here <laughs> says keep the heat on Goot and, Lafle- and LaFleur, and I will keep the heat on Goot because it's it. I'm telling you, man, it, I, I, again, I feel bad for Matt LaFleur. I do. Like this, this roster is weaker than it was last year, right? And we talked about it going into this year. We got even younger. We got the youngest roster in the league. And the fact that we don't hear anything from Goot, man, if I'm good, I'm 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 at least going to Matt and going, hey man, you want me to go out there this time and talk to him? Like, because I feel like he's kind of on the, you know, just out in the forefront. But again, anything uh, spring a a thought there, Tim? Before we go to PFF grades, man, anything you want to say right off the bat here? No, I think um, you summed it up pretty well there. You know, we're all going to look at things differently here, um, and everything can be true. That's the that's the interesting thing about it. There can be truth in everybody's take here. Uh, to varying degrees. So um, I guess, yeah, let's take the depressing look at the grades. Although I'm willing to bet that uh, I'm willing to bet there might be some surprises in there. I'm, you know, PFF as a metric is always interesting. So uh, it'll be, it'll be cool to see what, what the game graded out as, um, Mm -hmm. you know, but uh, I I don't know, man, I'm still deflated. (laughs) I'm still, (laughs) even, even after sleeping on it, man, I'm just, it is. And, and I mean, it, it didn't break me as a Packer fan. I mean, I'm an eighties baby, so I grew up with a team that was horrible. So, right. you know, I'm not, I'm not going to be, um, you know, shocked and uh, walking away or anything or uh, when it comes to this team. So we have to prepare that this could be a process. This could be several seasons of uh, ups and downs and trials yeah. and tribulations. Um, you know, and there's fans older than me that have, that have been through uh, dark times too. So, um, we just got to try and find the positivity and look at where we can make corrections because that's the main goal. Um, I, I think playoffs at this point already looks pretty uh, pretty iffy. So we need to look at uh, just getting better as we move forward. Yeah. Uh, playoffs? That's, that, that pretty much, <laughs> that's what it feels like right now, Tim. Yeah. Uh, no, that's very well said. And, you know, the, the thing too, like when I – I shared that video, that that game, the full broadcast of the 1993 matchup between the Broncos and the Packers where, you know, Brett Favre was 24 years old and obviously Jordan Love being 24 years old drew a lot of parallels. They went on to win nine games, but you also got to take into consideration is what we talked about. On that roster was Sterling Sharp, who I think had 1,400 receiving yards that year. Also on that roster, you had uh, Reggie White, you know, one of, if not the greatest defensive linemen slash edge, you know, sack specialist can play the run too in the history of the game. You know, you don't quite see that on this roster, although watching Mike Wall light up as he was breaking down Rashawn Gary's film, man, that was, that was a lot of fun. Rashawn Gary is an absolute monster. And the part that kind of gets me and bothers me is he still doesn't have a contract. And again, it comes back to Goody because this is exactly what they did to Devontae Adams. Like, dragging it out to the last second. The price is only going to go up, right? The healthier he gets, the price is only going to go up. And also, you think Rashawn Gary in the back of his mind's going, man, I wouldn't mind playing somewhere else. You know, he played at Michigan. You think in the back of his mind somewhere, he might be going, I wouldn't mind to play for the Lions. They got a heck of a – like, those thoughts as a human being are going to come into your mind, right? And that's what really blows my mind that – that we haven't got that deal done yet, right? Just get it freaking done. That is a premier position. He's a leader of your defense. 
He's one of those guys that you want to build this defense around. Um, I mean, his, his pressure rate is just – it's wild. And, and the way he played the run, you know, one of the key plays that, that I seen yesterday, Tim, I think it was actually on the Broncos' final drive, he got that run stop and fought through two blocks and got the run stop and got him off the field. Once again, the defense rising to the occasion and giving the offense a chance to win the game. And it, it was tough watching that last drive, bro. That's the, that's the most depressing part because it's like you had options underneath Give Anders Carlson a chance to and, – and you know what? If he misses the field goal, hey, look, he's a rookie kicker. He missed one earlier in the game, right? We were talking about how great he's been all year. You know, he finally missed one. That doesn't mean he's a bad kicker, right? If he misses that game winner, it doesn't mean he's a bad kicker. And also, it kind of gives you something with Jordan going, hey, look, you know what? In the big moment, he rose to the occasion. I sent the tweet out. I posted in the group chats. Hey, here's here's another opportunity for Jordan Love to rise to the occasion. Let's Let's see you do it, man. Let's go. And he had two options underneath. He forced the throw down the field, throws the interception to end the game. Completion percentage was better, right? I don't think anybody would say his accuracy was better, but his completion percentage was better, right? Um, so there's there's pros and cons to take away from the game, and you really got to put those things into perspective. But one of the key attributes of any great quarterback, of any starting quarterback, is what they do with the game on the line. And that doesn't mean threading the needle like Brett Favre in the triple coverage to win a ball game. That doesn't mean scrambling and diving into the end zone to beat the Atlanta Falcons to get into the playoffs. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about taking what the defense is giving you and giving your kicker a chance to win the game, right? And I'm not done with Love yet, okay? Um, I'm not done with LaFleur yet. I want to make this very, very clear. But if things keep going the way they're going, yeah, everyone has the right to say, okay, look, maybe LaFleur isn't the guy. And uh, maybe Goody has been a little bit overrated in that regard in his job too. So, um, yeah, uh, C20 for this says, uh, this is a game that if they had won, it wouldn't have felt like a win. Tim, I think that is very true. Um, if they too, won- you mean like the last time they won a game? <laughs> exactly. If they pull this one out with that game winning field goal, we're all going, yes, all right, we, you know, got it, we squeaked out a win, but we're also going, that's the Denver yeah. Broncos, right? Yeah. So, I think that's a very fair statement there. 2-0 for this for sure. Paul Robertson in the chat says Vikings, Rams, at Steelers, Chargers, at Lions, Chiefs. Those are the next six games, guys. We're in position to maybe win one. Um, the Vikings, that did it. None of those, first of all, none of those are a slam dunk win. But if you look at them, I think the, the game that you got the best shot to win is probably the Vikings at home. However, you know, it's going to be tough. The Steelers are playing good football. I think they finally got their offense uh, in gear there yesterday with the, the Fire Mac uh, Canada um, uh, chance. And then you got the uh, the Chargers are kind of a struggling football team, very inconsistent. I think they're badly coached. Um, the Lions obviously are the Lions, although they got absolutely boat raced by the Ravens, which should show you anything can happen on any given Sunday. But, yeah, I think that's very fair too, Paul, what you're saying there about possibly winning one. And, and here's the thing. If we come out this year and we only win three to five games, something in that range, you're going to be in the mix to get a franchise quarterback if Love doesn't turn it around dramatically. The part that makes me nervous is – I don't want to say what I'm about to say, but I'm going to say it. Um, one of the, the negative attributes of Brian Gutekunst as a general manager is he doesn't want to admit when he makes a mistake, right? Well, if he's all in on Jordan Love and things keep going the way they're going right now, um, and we get at the end of the year and he's going, nope, that's my guy, right? And then we miss out. And people that say, uh, well, you know, Jordan Love is going to be better than a rookie quarterback. Let me ask you this. This is the better way of looking at it. 
would you rather have Patrick Mahomes or Jordan Love? And immediately people go, that's a hot take. There ain't no Patrick Mahomes in this draft. There, there ain't no guarantees in anything. But the only way you're going to find a Patrick Mahomes, the only way you're going to find a Josh Allen, the only way you're going to find insert any franchise quarterback are taking those big swings, right, until you find your franchise quarterback. You know, if you look at this quarterback class and go, okay, we get to the end of the year, and let's say Jordan Love finishes, you know, some somewhere in a ballpark of 25 touchdowns, uh, 19 interceptions, his completion percentage is under 60%, and we would all agree, okay, he's not a franchise quarterback. He's he's probably he, – he has the ceiling to be a good quarterback but not a franchise quarterback. I'm sorry, man, you're not going to convince me to pass up on the opportunity to draft a solid Andrew Luck, uh, you know, like I said, Patrick Mahomes – those caliber quarterbacks. Most of you are going, so he thinks Caleb Williams is Patrick Mahomes. Actually, I'm not a big Caleb Williams fan, um, which is I'm definitely in the minority there, but I just don't I don't see it with Caleb Williams. I don't. Um, I think he's got leadership issues, and that's a story for another day. But um, with that being said, let's do this, Tim. Let's jump into the PFF grades. And, and what I was saying there with that Paul Robertson, with what you said, maybe you know, in position to have maybe one win. If that is the case then look, let's let's as a fan base, more specifically on this show, let's put all of our energy and effort into dissecting the roster, dissecting the game tape, and figuring out, okay, who is going to be a part of this team moving forward? That way you cut, you trim some of the fat off, right, going into this offseason, and you get some of those hoes filled so in the next one to three years you can start to make that run at the playoffs, you know. Again, that sounds like a rebuild, don't it? I know a lot of people do hear that, but that's definitely what it sounds like. All right, let's do this, Tim. Let's go to the PFF. Um, let's start with the team PFF grades here. So as you guys can see, um, we've got them laid out. I'm going to go through them week one through seven, okay? These were the team overall grades, 75.7 in week one, week two, 65.9, week three against the Saints, 67.9, week four, 64.1, week five against the Raiders, a 67.1 and week seven against the Broncos was a 63.1. So if we looked at that from a chart standpoint, right. And say, okay, how is this team performing? Are they stabilized? Are they declining? You was a lot of people would agree that they think this team is on the decline, right? 75.7 against a bad bears team. Nonetheless, you know, that's your best grade of the year, 65.9. Then you hop back up to a 67.9. Then you're back to a 64.1. Then you're back up to a 67.1. Then you're back down to a 63.1. I feel real comfortable saying that that baseline is somewhere around 65 as an average PFF team grade. Okay, now if you break down the, the Broncos game specifically, all right, and you look at it from that standpoint, overall 63.1, offensive grade was 65.4. Passing grade was 61.2, which, by the way, against the Raiders, his passing grade was a 47.1, so significantly higher. Pass blocking grade against the Broncos, 54.4. That's the lowest of the year, hands down. You went from an 85 to a 70 to a 73 to a 60 to a 75 to a 54, right? Receiving grade, um, 65.6. Uh, run grade, 75.2. You're starting to see that stabilize a little bit. Run blocking, 58.8. Now let's hop over to the defensive side of the ball. You've got 58. I'm sorry, uh, 58.7 run defense, 51.8 tackle grade. This is and and this was all over the tape for me. My first pass through, 35.8 tackle grade. Okay, that's I'm sorry guys. That's that's the Ooh. that's the worst tackle grade of the year, right? 
And I'm telling you, that's probably the worst tackle grade as a team from a team standpoint of the entire NFL. I would not be surprised if that was the case. Pass rush grade, 64.5. Coverage grade, 60.7. Special teams uh, grade of 66.7. Now, when you point this out, what is PFF? PFF, guys, they're, they're going and watching the tape, and they're grading each play, not necessarily by what was their responsibilities, but how did they perform on those individual plays, right? So when you look at it from that standpoint, you're not going to convince me that a tackle grade of 35.8, well, these players have t- – I'm so sick of hearing people say, this is a very talented group. Why are they talented? Explain to me why you think they're talented. And, and no one can give me a straight answer on that because they're they're missing tackles, they're not uh, they're not uh, schematically sound in their run fits, they're blowing coverages, they're dropping interceptions. Not yesterday, but you know overall over the over the course of the year. But but we got first round picks, guys. That that doesn't matter where they're drafted. If anything, the people who say, well, these this is you know, seven, eight first-round picks, they should be performing. This is on Joe Barry. I'm sitting back going, hold up a minute. So if the PFF grade is suggesting this and you watch the tape and you see the missed tackles, maybe that's a little more uh, on what Brian Gutekunst is doing as far as drafting, right? That's just kind of the way I I see it. So let's move on to the offensive grades real quick, and then I want to get your take, Tim. Offensive grades, Zach Tom, you want something to to be positive about, gang? Zach Tom, 84.1 yesterday. We've got ourselves a dog. Now, you guys know he he started at right tackle. He went in at center. I think Josh Myers ended up coming back into the game, if I remember correctly. But 64 snaps. He played every single snap on the offense yesterday. Um, And, again, 84.1, 79.3 pass blocking, 84.6 run blocking grading. You could see him at the center position. He looks like a natural run blocker at the center position. Um, Just what a great football player. What a steal there. And give Goody credit for that, right? Uh, Dontavian Wicks, 77.5 for the rookie. Only had 14 snaps, got a little bit banged up. But again, you're seeing Dontavian Wicks flash. I'm telling you, this kid, uh, when Greg Cosell mentioned his name, it caught my attention, right? And now when you see, when you watch the tape, you see how he plays. He can be more consistent, right? But he is showing that he can be a starting caliber wide receiver in this league. And, And this is with... I don't want to say minimal opportunities, but very few opportunities, if that, right? So why has he got few opportunities? Well, you got, you know, several people ahead of him on the depth chart, right? Including Jaden Reed. You know, your top three receivers went healthy, Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs, Jaden Reed, right? It's very seldom that you go to a four wide set. So those are going to be your starters. Tay Wicks, in my opinion, him and Samori Torre are like neck and neck for that number four spot, right? And more specifically, Samore is more of a slot receiver, as where Tay is more of a boundary. But with all that being said, um, it's the reason you're not seeing him as much is because Matt LaFleur is staying in 12 personnel, one running back, two tight ends, right? And, and that's the part that bothers me from the schematic standpoint of Matt LaFleur's approach to this season is you're not getting your best 11 on the field when you're in 12 personnel. Right. Although Ben Sims, we're going to mention him here in a second, had another another decent game, although it was just four snaps. But every time he's on the field, it's like he makes a play. I mean, you can kind of see him flash. Um, all right. Aaron Jones, a 75.3. Emmanuel Wilson had a 73.8. Ben Sims, 71.4. A.J. Dillon, 70.2. Hey, give A.J. Dillon some credit. I think he's playing a lot better than he started. Right. 
um, which we all know he kind of heats up as the, as the weather gets a little cooler. Uh, John Runyon, 66.5. Jaden Reed, 62.6. Romeo Dobbs, 62.5. Jordan Love, 60.1. Samori Torre, 58.9. Luke Musgrave, 58.8. Tucker Craft, 57.9. Christian Watson, 57.6. Yash, 54.4, but only four snaps. Josh Myers. So Josh Myers only missed four snaps. I thought it was a lot more than that, Tim. That, was, that caught me off guard. But Josh Myers is great, though. 50.4. Run blocking grade, 41.9. Uh, Josiah Deguara um, only played 17 snaps, but 49.7. Rasheed Walker, 47.5. And Elton Jenkins, 45.8. You're starting to consistently see now Elton Jenkins struggle. Tim, what stands out to you about these offensive grades, dude? We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing. But they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy slab packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. Um, Elton Jenkins at the at the bottom, and I have nothing else that I can attribute this to other than to injury, and that right something there ain't right, and he's trying being the gamer that he is and the competitor that he is, and this team being in the situation that they're in, he's trying to go, you know, and uh, some something's not right there. Um, that doesn't look good. Um, Josiah Deguara, we kind of 
had a little laughing moment during the game with him. Uh, as soon as I said something good about him, he went and did something terrible immediately after. Um, you know, I think our feelings on on Josiah DeGuara are pretty well known here uh, with the posse. Um, and, you know, I guess my initial reaction when I see things like this is, uh, boy, was I wrong about a lot of things <laughs> that I hey, said you and, you and I going, you and I going into this season. Um, but you know, I, we're not even halfway through, so, I mean, it could, it could get better. I mean, it could potentially get worse also. So I guess be grateful for what you got and to see the, the, uh, potential in guys like Zach, Tom, uh, Tay Wicks, um, and even Emmanuel Wilson, uh, when he was out there, you know, looked pretty good, you know, usually with guys in that situation, you just want them not to be a liability, and uh, I think he do, does a pretty good job of that. Um, ben Sims quietly is um, becoming a pretty solid uh, addition to the tight end room here uh, when we really need it. Um, and then defensively, I think the thing that really stood out to me, uh, obviously the tackle grade, um, but is just the overall inconsistencies across the board that you see. Um, not in the player grades. I'm, I was looking at the uh, the team grades when we got to the defensive side there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so let's look here. Yeah, tackle was 35.8. Look at the week prior against the Raiders, how we tackled. Yeah. And then the week prior to that, how we tackled against Detroit. And then, you know, you, you just look down any of these categories, you know, on both sides of the ball, and it's just – you know, again, one metric PFF, but I mean, the inconsistency is evident. And when I hear coach LaFleur say things like we got to find a way to win a game or, or, or you got to find a way to win the game. It's like, are you, who are you talking to? <laughs> are, you, are you speaking to yourself? Is that like a rhetorical statement? Because, you know, we don't have a choice. We, whether, the, whether or not our GM kind of, didn't you know swung and missed on a few draft picks or not or whatever this team is that we have this is the team that we have and at some point you got to manage the personnel that you have and you have to find a way to make things work as you progress through a season and what we're seeing right now is scatterbrained and it looks it does it looks a little bit um like he's like Matt LaFleur's flailing a little bit you had mentioned that he may be coaching for his job and that that kind of shows it shows in the way this team is prepared. It shows in the way that we are uh, not adjusting quick enough or not adjusting at all in certain respects. We're playing extremely reactive. We're not dictating much of anything. Um, you know, I inconsistency, man, that's the most al- alarming thing that you see when you look at these PFF grades. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, so like I said, on the offensive side, um, the big the, the big positive for me, a couple of them, Zach Tom, absolute stud. Uh, Dontavian Wicks deserves more snaps, right? And and you're starting to see it pop up more and more. Again, we'll talk about Tay Wicks. Actually, since we're on it, if you don't mind, Tim, I'm going to hit on it right now. Let's do that. Um, Tay Wicks, right? This is what LaFleur said about Tay Wicks. This was a tweet that Paul Brettel put out. He put, quote, he's a guy we've got to continue to get more opportunities for in our offense, says LaFleur on Wicks. Adds that in addition to his route running, he's a physical blocker. And you see it on tape, man. He's just a like Greg Cosell said. He's a kid who gets it. This he said, this kid gets it. That's what he said, breaking down the tape coming out of college. Now, when you look at his PFF grades, check this out. Only two 
Um, tar- well, let's see. Let's go. Let's try to go by snaps. And this is kind of tough because it's only passing snaps is what they're showing as far as snap count. I wish they had the overall uh, snap count grade, but nonetheless, here we go. Um, pa- I should have should have clicked on offense, but we'll just key in on the passing. Not team passing snaps in Chicago, 47.7. You go, Ugh, yeah, let's put that rookie back on the bench, right? Week two, 17 passing snaps, ba- basically the same workload, 74.8. So you see some seal in there, right? Um, New Orleans, he had a 65.3 and had 36 snaps, right? Detroit, uh, 25 snaps. He dropped to a 51.4 grade. So you're starting to see the floor there is right around the 50 mark. Um, week five against Vegas, only six snaps, 71.3. Week seven against Denver, only seven passing snaps. I think they said 14 total, so you could probably bank on somewhere around 12 to 14 total in Vegas as well, but seven passing snaps uh, on uh, in week seven against Denver, 77.5. So you're starting to see the ceiling is continuing to rise and the floor is coming up. You're seeing a young player who's starting to put it together. So overall for the 2023 season so far, um, he's had 110 passing snaps, right? His offensive grade is a 64.9. His receiving grade is a 63.9. His drop grade is a 76.5, and he protects the football with the fumble grade of 71.3. So if this truly is an evaluation season, I'm not going to say rebuilding, Tim, because people get upset. But if this truly is an evaluation season, we need to see him on the field more. Now, listen, I'm not suggesting that he should play more than Christian Watson or Romeo Dobbs or even Jaden Reed. But the reason he's not seeing the field more is because we're, we're remaining in 12 personnel. Everything that we're seeing right now, in my opinion, what I'm seeing, I'm not trying to speak for anyone else. When we're in 12 personnel and we're in condensed sets, everything sputters. Everything sputters. The defense is now allowed to tighten up, right? And the goal there is to run some strike concept where you can bend a guy out on a cell route and bring a crosser underneath so you can kind of get everything condensed in, then open it up. You can run double crossers. You can run that slot cross concept that they like, which is basically a slot or a Y cross with a backside dig and kind of open things up that way. The problem is you're not able to get your running game going because everything is so condensed. The, the league has caught on to that. I talked about it last year. I broke down every single – offense that came from the Shanahan tree across the league and and they were mediocre at best last year from an offensive standpoint especially when you're going to these heavier personnels now the first thing you had to identify is we're not talking Kyle Shanahan's offense we're talking Sean McVay's offense well Sean McVay has adapted he now has Puka Nakua because they draft people that don't have they're willing to take a shot on a player that doesn't have a high, you know, relative athletic score because the tape suggests they know how to play the game of football, or as they say, they're good at the football. Um, So with that being said, they're staying in 11 personnel a little bit more, and LaFleur just can't get out of his way with this 12 personnel. Tim, it was every time we went – you see me in the – well, you I don't think you were in the Discord chat with us with Packernet crew, but in there I started – I just started listening it off. 11, 11, 12, 11, and it went – it was literally – 11 personnel, big gain. 11 personnel, first down. 11 personnel, six-yard run. And then it was 12 personnel, one-yard gain. 12 personnel, incomplete. So it was just like, why why are we so – and now I got to give Matt LaFleur credit because later in the game he really started to go to 11 personnel. They came out in the second half, started to open things up a bit. I'm on my second pass through the tape, and then I got to put Chalk Talk together for you guys. But that's kind of what popped off to me. So when it comes to Tay Wicks, 
I think we got us a good player there. Um, he needs to see the field more, and the only way that's going to happen is if we get out of 12 a little bit more. You know, what I was saying about Luke Musgrave, and this is what uh, Mike Wall was kind of talking about the last time we talked. I said, Mike, you're the OC. What are you changing? And he said, more 11 personnel, spread things out, lighten the box for the running game. Look, Luke Musgrave is not a good blocker. Nobody expected him to be a good blocker, right? So if you go 11 personnel and you flex him out, that's as good as a block. That guy's got to cover him out there in the slot, right? So it ain't the technical slot, but it's a Y flex. But you're going to open things up, and now you've, you've essentially blocked before the ball's even snapped, right? Now, not that, that that corner or that safety or that linebacker can't beat Musgrave inside to make a tackle, but at least you've got him away from the line of scrimmage to give those running backs some breathing room. Tim, Aaron Jones looked good for the eight carries he had, right? I mean, he, he looked like the old Aaron Jones to me. Yeah, I mean, for the most part, again, when they they did him some favors, um, you know, and he had places to go, uh, you know, Jonesy being Jonesy made some some good slippery <laughs> adjustments there and and turned some you know nothing into something a few times. Um, but yeah, man, we can't say enough about uh, Tay Wicks. Um, and you know, let's see what happens with Scoot here. I don't you know injury report to to come this week um, if he's going to miss time then I assume it's a no-brainer that Tay Wicks is your is your next man up. Um, and I think it would be kind of cool to see him on the field, you know, at the same time as as Dobbs and and Reed. Um, but and I agree with you too, these personnel groupings are not are not helping us. Uh, take the take the 12 and spin it around. Like I said, I'd rather see 21 personnel than than to uh see yeah, 12. Right. Honestly. Give me give me an extra running back as opposed to the tight end. Um, but Clearly spreading the offense uh, will spread a defense, um, even if it is an uphill battle at first to get them to really kind of do it. You will spread a defense out if you're spreading your offense out. Um, I don't know. Maybe he's mixing it up too much or not enough. But it, like I, like we talked about last night, I feel like when it comes to these personnel groups and some of these schemes uh, adjustments that we're just looking at it from a you know the wrong standpoint. I think we're leaning on – things that we should be peppering in here and there. And then the things that we should be peppering in here and there we're leaning on. And I just, it's, I don't know, man, I, I, I get at a loss for words sometimes because, you know, it, it's almost as if, you know, coach LaFleur is, has not changed the approach and has not adjusted at all to the fact that you now have a young team with very little veteran leadership. Um, you've got a first year starter at quarterback, you know, yeah, it's evident. Aaron Rodgers was covering up for some issues with this offense. And yeah. uh, we can sit here and debate the details all day. But that's I mean, I think that's evident. Yeah, definitely. Um, and it's a tough pill to swallow for some fans. And it, it, it was kind of cool seeing some people on on Twitter, you know, kind of addressing that. And we're like, man, maybe 12 was right, you know, and that's uh, not an easy thing to say I was wrong, but. He was just such a polarizing figure that it was, you know, once that narrative got drawn, whether you believe it's the correct narrative or not, I think we would all agree of the large majority, especially the media, was trying to paint him in a certain light, right? And it worked. And you got, like Ryan said on his podcast earlier today, I think it was today, he said, you know, the one thing about uh, Aaron Rodgers being traded is, okay, now this fan base won't be divided. Well, now the fan base is divided. I don't know if you guys are keeping up. You guys are probably only hearing, 
you know, if you if you only listen to this pod or watch this show the majority of the time, you're only hearing my perspective. You're hearing Tim's perspective. You're hearing Jacob. You're hearing Emilio. And, you know, our perspective has been pretty consistent that, hey, look, there's enough blame to go around. Matt LaFleur's at fault. Jordan Love's at fault. Brian Gudikins is at fault. Uh, some people still believe that I think Joe Barry is a great defensive coordinator, which you have never heard me utter those words. I'm simply showing you what the tape is is showing and going schematically we're, we're okay. Like schematically they're in a position to make a play. Now, whether he's a good coach, he's not coaching the fundamentals. He's not doing enough in that regard. I tend to lean toward, you know what? These guys are first round picks. Everybody likes to throw that out there. I, I have a hard time believing the DC needs to allocate a ton of time to teach Jair Alexander how to tackle or Keyshawn Nixon how to tackle. These are your starting players, but um, nonetheless, uh, too old for this. And the chat says Matt LaFleur consistently has the same look about this offense as when Michael Scott sees that Stanley doesn't know how to play basketball. <laughs> it's one of the best scenes in the office, man. The way he looks at him, like, are you kidding me right now? <laughs> Stanley dribbling the ball off his forehead. <laughs> um, let's see what else we got here. Some things. That we, oh gosh. Paul Robertson quote, certainly some things we need to clean up. Quote Matt LaFleur. <laughs> uh, this right here is interesting. Jeff in the chat said, I really don't get the low ball expectation. Rodgers, Cobb, Lazard, Tanyan, Reed, Lowry, Amos, etc., etc., all had cruddy seasons, yet the team almost made the playoffs. Why do we have to think? Um, I'll tell you this. We say that Aaron Rodgers had a cruddy season. Aaron Rodgers had a broken thumb, and he was still a top-10 quarterback. Think about that. <laughs> and in a lot of statistics, he was a top-10 quarterback. Um, and PFF grade, definitely. He was like 10th or 11th consistently. Um, you know, his completion percentage before he broke his finger, like I pointed out, was one point higher than his career average at 66%. Break his thumb, it drops to 61%. As it healed up, he got back up to, I think, 64%. Aaron Rodgers wasn't the problem, and believe me, I got roasted for it for pointing it out last year. Um, as far as Cobb, Lazard, Tunyon, Reed, Lowry, Amos, etc., cetera, um, when you say they had cruddy seasons – I understand where you're coming from there, but let me ask you this. Do you think Alan Lazard was a better receiver last year than Christian Watson this year? I would have to say yes. Is he a better receiver? Was he a better receiver last year than Romeo Dobbs this year? According to PFF, yes. Right. And you've seen another drop from, uh, you know, Dobbs last uh, yesterday. And luckily, Jaden Reed, being the gamer he is, caught that tip pass, which that pass. You know, Jordan Love threw it 110 mile an hour on that little sidearm throw with a go. It was just, and he threw it behind him. And then he turned right around and underthrows Dobbs on the touchdown catch, right? Um, but I don't think Lazard is as bad as people remember him being, at least comparatively speaking to the roster we got right now. Tunyon, I would agree. Mm -hmm. um, I think Musgra Musgrave is an upgrade on Tunyon. Um, so, uh, you know, you can you can kind of go back in time and try to compare okay, our players better this year than last year. And and honestly, I I don't like to do that. I like to focus on what's the tape showing now? What roster do we have now? What do we need to fix this issue? And who who is a part of the future and how can they get better, right? That's kind of how I approach it. So uh, United Bates says, love that Clayton, get him flexed out. And, you know, what I was getting at to United Bates and I got sidetracked like I always do. I apologize, guys. I'm I'm like a rat on acid over here. Um, what I was trying to point out was when you flex them out, it opened things up. And when you went to 11 personnel, it opened things up better. But when you flex them out, it really opens things up. But then we started attaching him in an 11-gun doubles. It could have been ace doubles, too, where he was attached to the line. 
counted two or three times that he completely blew his block and it really uh, slowed down the running game. So it's like, okay, you, you see what's going on. Why not just flex him out? Just give him, I'm not, I'm not talking about a Baylor split. I'm talking about even a nasty split. You can still keep him inside the numbers, but get him detached two or three yards to where that corner, that safety or that linebacker has to, you know, play him out there. And then as you start to run some of the inside zone, especially out of the gun, I seen less pistol yesterday. That's a positive sign in my opinion. It was still there, but a few less snaps. When you start to run that inside zone, now you can work your RPO peak off of that, which is basically having Musgrave run a slant, let Jordan read it. If if the guy, if the backer, the safety, the corner on Musgrave bots on the run, throw that thing out there in a quick little shot to uh, to the slant, and you're off and running. Now you're keeping those guys at home. Those are the things that Aaron Rodgers did so well to help this running game. And people didn't want to hear it. Like, oh, the, I heard people all offseason saying that nobody in here, but just in general saying – you know, the, the thought that losing Aaron Rodgers is going to make this running game weaker is silly. And I'm going, what are you talking about? Like, you know, do you, do you think Tom Brady's running game, you think the Patriots running game was stronger with Tom Brady at quarterback? I do, <laughs> you know, because they knew, man, he can, he can carve us apart in less than two seconds getting the ball out of his hand. We've got to respect that, and that really opens the box up a bit, especially when you spread it out wide like back in the Patriots' heyday. But uh, um, Chris in the chat says, what's the status of Watson? I haven't heard yet, but someone did answer you, Omer, in the chat here. Um, he's our our Packer fan over in uh, over across seas. Where's, where's he at? France? Am I thinking right? Where's I believe he, he said France, yeah. yeah. Um, he said the report I read at least two weeks. That's good news if that's the case, Omer, because it, it looked ugly when it happened. And, again, just another example of, of Jordan throwing behind the receiver and and that that you know situation possibly getting him hurt, um, the accuracy is the main issue with Jordan. We're going to talk about Jordan here in a second. We may not get to the special teams grades. We'll probably just skip over that. So as a matter of fact, um, let me get to the super chat and then we'll get back to the defensive grades real quick. Talk about it, Mike Hebring. Thank you for the super chat. Whoo, Kenny Clark is still in his paycheck. Pisses me off, Mike. I, I've said it all offseason. I said it last year. Ryan pointed it out to me on his pod, and it really opened my eyes. I'll never forget, Tim, the first time I heard Ryan say Kenny Clark only had one good year, like he's he's not as good as people think he is, I thought, what the, what are you talking about? And then I started paying attention, and he's right. He's right. Um, I'm not saying he's still in a paycheck. Like Mike always comes with the hot takes. that He's in there stirring the pot. He got his hand in the kittle. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, but – it, it is tough that he's like your third highest paid player on your roster and he's struggling. I mean, that PFF grade, let's pull it up. Mike, thank you for the super chat, man. This is a good segue. Look at you helping produce the show. We appreciate you. Um, defensive PFF grades. Let's start start with the good. Actually, let's start with Kenny since we're on this, and that was his super chat. Again, Mike, thank you for the super chat. Kenny Clark graded out as the worst player on the Packers roster defensive-wise against – the Denver Broncos yesterday, all right? He had a 43.6 PFF grade. Now, keep in mind the defensive holding drops it significantly, right? Um, so you got to take that into consideration. But 43.6, he played 49 snaps, and it looks like there was a total of 59 snaps, if I'm looking correctly, on defense. So he played all but 10 snaps on defense, Right out of the 43.6. Like we said, he's the third. I believe he's overall average annually. He's the third highest paid player on this roster. I want to share the screen here real quick, Tim, and play this video from Mike Wall, if I can find it here. 
Um, hopefully you guys can hear it okay. It's it's more important to hear it than see it, so I'm not going to zoom in. And uh, I want you guys to hear what Mike Wall had to say here. He's going to break down two plays, not really break them down, but just comment on two plays real quick. And the second one is Kenny Clark involved. I want to hear what you got. Hear what he says. So if you're playing, you know, whether you call it cup, top hat, all these different ways to play bunch formation. If you're the press guy at the front, you either. By the way, this is the the play that we said looked like a blown coverage, right? With Russell Douglas. Here we go. You need to jam him, right? Or you guys have to switch because they're always going to run upfield in, and the and the um, the inside guy is going to run out and and make the Rasul in this case run the loop. And if you don't jam this guy at the line of scrimmage, if you get jammed and push back like like we do here, I mean, just gets absolutely manhandled. Now Rasul's got to run the loop, run the wheel here, and just can't catch up. This is just the this is as easy as it's going to get. And what's the first read for the safety here? I don't know. He's opening to it. Is he ever going to be able to make it there? Probably not. But that's why Rasul is so upset. He has no chance to make that play. He's on their number one receiver. He has no chance to make that play. And that's all because of what happens at the line of scrimmage. That's being physical. That's a that that is not, it's not a coaching thing, but that is a thing that you learn on the practice field that needs to be able to transfer. Now right, here's the Kenny Clark. Kenny Clark, one of my favorite players. You know, this is these guys are subs. These guys are not all pro. This is not an all pro right guard. <laughs> and this happened a couple times. He gets reached here. And so Quay hits backside because the center's coming up because, quite frankly, Kenny's supposed to be in the other gap. He gets reached and pushed through. And those little plays, they just continue to add up and add up and add up. All right, so I wanted you guys to hear that because it's it's Mike Wall, former NFL offensive lineman's perspective on that. And you heard him say Kenny's one of my favorite players. But he, he got manhandled yesterday. And when you talk about the run defense immediately, oh, Joe Barry sucks. He's horrible. This run defense is bad, and it's Joe Barry's fault. And I'm going, it, why was it bad? You can't just say it's bad, fire somebody. It's why was it bad? Was it execution? Was it scheme? And it could have been scheme. I don't. I haven't watched enough of this game tape to feel comfortable saying one way or another. But, again, as we flash up the PFF grades, I mean, it suggests the players underperformed, in my opinion, especially when you look at the team aspect, again, um, uh, defensive grade 58.7, run defense 51.8, tackle 35.8, pass rush 64.5, coverage 60.7. Now, with that being said, you go to the players, Kenny Clark 43.6. This is what I mean by you use PFF as a tool. And here's what's ironic, Tim, and I, I'm sure you know this. Mike Wall does not like PFF. <laughs> he watches the tape. He watches technique. He's like, that stuff – I don't, I don't want to say he thinks it's useless – but he definitely does not put a whole lot of stock in PFF, and that's great. I want a, I want a, uh, a, an opinion that's in contrast to things that we think are important, right? It's important to get all of this information, all this data, put it together, and I think that tells a real story. When he says Kenny has a bad game, right, and then PFF says he's the worst-graded player on defense, I'm feeling really confident that Kenny Clark underperformed. Now, Let's talk about the positive real quick, okay? First of all, let me one more negative. Keyshawn Nixon, slot corner, 43 snaps, 50.1. Guys, that experiment's just about over. 
right? Give That's somebody one a- we definitely saw coming. We, yeah. we got that one right going into the season. Absolutely. Yeah. And I was excited about it in the off season, but, yeah. and, and when we got into the preseason, people were, they were not as excited about it. Ryan was very low vocal that he didn't think he was going to be a slot corner. I had that one wrong. I didn't think he was going to be lights out or anything, but I'm like, Hey, look, this guy's a football player. He's, he seems like a natural. Let's give him a shot in the slot. It has not worked. Just like Lazard the year before. I want you guys to listen real close. Clayton was wrong. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I was wrong on Keyshawn Nixon in the slot. Um, all right, so let's talk about the good. J.J. and Igbare, only 18 snaps, but 85.4 PFF grade. You talking about a weapon coming off the bench, Tim. That's really exciting. Rashawn Gary, 82.9. He now had 40 snaps. So to put that into perspective against Preston Smith, he had 42. Rashawn Gary is officially up to a full workload. We know they like to rotate a lot of guys in and out. So Rashawn Gary seems to be 100% healthy, which, again, Goody, give the man a contract, please. Please. Um, Rudy or Brenton Cox Jr., only three snaps, 74.8. Rudy Ford, 69.7. Listen, nothing crazy, right? Nothing like gangbusters, but a top four defender on this defense. Once again, Rudy Ford just stabilizing, being being steady Eddie. And look at that tackle grade, Tim, 83.0, right? Now, Devontae Wyatt, only 10 snaps. He got hurt. We're waiting to hear, you know, information on that, obviously. Um, 69.1, but look at his tackle grade. Every single week, his tackle grade, 26.7. And and keep this in mind, Rashawn Gary's tackle grade, 27.4, but he was so solid in the pass rush game, and he was so good in his run fit that it balanced his grade out, you know, a lot better. Obviously, with Devontae Wyatt, it was a little bit different. Run defense grades, 50, 57.9. Uh, pass rush grade, only a 73.1. And then tackle grade, 26.7. Eric Wilson, middle linebacker, only eight snaps, 68.1. Um, Colby Wooden, the rookie, 64.3. Not bad, only 19 snaps. Quay Walker, uh, 59 snaps, 62.1 PFF grade. Run defense grade, of uh, 54.5. Tackle grade 46.9 and pass rush grade 54.1. Coverage grade 67.5. You can see that's still his strength right there. So um, that's kind of how the defensive grades stood out there. And, Tim, I know you're going to have to go here in a minute. When you do, you just hop off, buddy. But what do you think of those defensive grades there? What sticks out to you? What do you like? What do you not like, man? Uh, Well, my boy Quay is going to stand out, as always. I'm always keeping my eye on him. He may still be banged up, right? I mean, yeah. Let's be honest, right? That wasn't a great – that was not a great performance. Um, I mean, it also wasn't horrendous either. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, I I did a double take when I saw my other guy, Anthony Johnson Jr., out there, got a couple a couple snaps. <laughs> I, I almost did a double take. I couldn't believe we saw 36 on the field again. That That's great. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, man, number one on the list, Mr. Inigbari. Um, the fact that he plays on the left side is probably a, a major contributor to why he's not getting more snaps. You're not suggesting McGlinchey is the reason he had a good grade too, are you? Because Mike Wall was very vocal about how bad McGlinchey is on that right side. <laughs> I, I was just kind of thinking more along the lines, kind of sharing duties with Rashawn, and like Rashawn is on very the, good point, yeah, on the upswing. Um, getting back to you know you know like you said man you know no more no more pitch count let's cut him loose here um but Inigbari man he he is a guy that when he's on the field he's making a play he's making a play or he's involved he's close to it or he's you know he's getting the assist and things like that so um he's fun to watch and uh I thought that um 
uh, who was the other one that stood out to me? Um, Isaiah McDuffie uh, stood out to me again, just mainly for what he brings to the table, which is tackling. I think he created in the seventies. Oh yeah. Yeah. 70.1. Zay's a tackle machine. That's, that's what he is. And that's what he's going to do. Him having to go into coverage is going to create a, a bit of a struggle um, for him, even though his coverage grade was right there at 72. I also see. And um, you could see it on tape too. Like his weakness is his run defense, like, you know, schematically being in the right gap, but when he's in the right place, like you said, he's a good tackler and that coverage grade a little bit better than <laughs> I expected. Right. I mean, that's something that he's been working on though. Yeah. So I, so there's, if we're looking for positives and looking for any little bit of improvement, we can see, um, I definitely think it'd be interesting to pull his uh, his PFF grades from uh, from last game and see what his uh, coverage rate was at there. Um, but he looks like he's improving in that uh, aspect of his game, which is important if we're going to need him to continually play like this uh, with no Devondre Campbell. So I think that's a little ray of sunshine in this uh, darkness that we've had lately. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, um, got a comment here I want to hit on Chris in the chat. He's a member of the PTA Posse, by the way. If you guys uh, want to be a part of the YouTube group, um, the or YouTube member, I should say, just on our homepage, you can click join, and that enters you into giveaways where we're uh, giving away autograph memorabilia, things like that. Nick McSwain already right here. He must have heard me. He just actually gifted five total Packers or Packers total access mem- access memberships. So whoever those five randoms are that he gifted, they'll be entered into the contest. Um, to uh, to win the next autograph piece of memorabilia, which we just gave one away last night. It'll be a, be a couple weeks, two, three weeks before we do another one. Um, but last night, um, I believe it was Ryan Jagger that won the autograph Paul Horning jersey. So we, uh, we like to mix it in and out. We might do a helmet next time. We'll see what we can get our hands on for you guys. But um, with that being said, this other comment I wanted to hit on here. Uh, Chris in, in the chat, look at all of Goot's top of market deals. They're bad. Uh, Kenny Clark, bad deal. Jair Alexander, bad deal. Rogers' last deal. And Bakhtiari. Now let's let's remove all the emotion, right? As Packer fans, Tim, and let's grade these deals, right? Kenny Clark. I'm going to say it's a bad deal, and it's okay to disagree, Tim. Do you think that's a good deal, bad deal that Goody signed there? That's like a D, D minus, D minus deal. Right. Yeah, Jair Alexander. I'm going to say, I'm going to say Jair Alexander. When and it's listen, hindsight's 2020, right? At the time that they signed him. Solid corner, right? He's underperformed. He's been banged up. Um, if if I remove the position of importance, like the tier of importance of the cornerback position, I would say that was a B signing. The problem is I don't put that much value in corner. When you look at the blueprint on how great defenses are created, it's very seldom that a cornerback is one of, if not the highest paid player on the defensive side of the ball, in my opinion, on a good defense. There's been many times – that there have been good corners on great defenses, obviously. But when they throw the checkbook at a corner and it hinders them from building the defensive line, look at what Philly's doing with their defensive line. All of their resources are going into that front, right? Who Name a cornerback on the Philadelphia Eagles, right? You think of big play Slay, right, who, yeah. by the way, it, to the best of my knowledge, isn't breaking the bank. Who else do they have? Can't really think of anybody, right? You know? And now look at who is the who is the best corner on our team right now, even including Jay Alexander. Russell Douglas. Yeah. And what's he making? Right. Kind of pennies on the dollar in comparison to Jair Alexander. So I would say that's a bad deal. Good or bad deal with Jair there. 
I'm like you, B minus, C plus, maybe. Um, you know, especially going on recent recent memory here, going back to last year and then into this season. So, I was high on Jair when we got him. Um, you know, my wife, I remember when he was drafted, she kind of was like, "Oh boy, look at this kid. He seems like pretty pretty cocky, pretty arrogant." And I said, "I don't know. Something's telling me he can he can back it up." And he's going to be a good addition to the team. And he was. He, You know, I love Ja. But, you know, can't make the club in the tub. And uh, if you're out on the field and you're not producing um, and you're getting a lot of money, it's not going to go over well. Not a good combination for sure. All right. What about Aaron Rodgers' last deal? I'm going to go ahead and say it. F minus, minus, minus. If you thought you were going to – you already drafted Jordan Love. Right. You already drafted Jordan Love. This is the part that gets me. Rodgers holds your feet to the fire and wins back to back MVPs, actually wins an MVP. And then you you want to, you know, re-sign him to an extension. Um, we're we're not even talking about the contracts that got away like Devontae Adams, but Aaron Rodgers' last deal. If you had told me going in, listen, Clayton, here's the plan. We're gonna sign him to 150 million guaranteed over three years, right? And it's why you guys heard me so adamantly saying this is not a $150 million deal cap. Like, focus on the cap hit. They're going to be able to work this cap hit in because of the guaranteed money. They're going to be able to push some out. They're going to make this manageable. And when he retires, we get a chunk back. It'll balance out, and we'll be off to the races. And then when – and you as early as last year, I said he's not – they're not going to trade Aaron Rodgers. I was saying it over and over because that would be the stupidest financial decision in the history of the Packers to sign someone to a three-year extension, $150 million guarantee, and then turn right around and trade them the next year, absorbing all of that cap penalty, right? When I say all of that, the, the 40, we're at right at 40, 41 million that we absorbed this year, which has kind of put us in this position in the first place. You literally bought high, you sold low. Yes, you got a second-round pick. All right, let's give him a hand. We got a second-round pick for a guy. We paid $40 million this year to get a second-round pick next year. That's the way I look at that from a business standpoint, personally. Um, Bad deal. How do you see it, Tim? Yeah, that's like when, you know, F minus. How about, like, incomplete? Like when the teacher would write (laughs) INP. You didn't even – you didn't get nothing. Like, yeah, that was not a good look. And, you know, honestly, the the next guy on this list, we might have a similar, similar scenario here. Mr. Bakhtiari, you know, we're kind of, what do we do now, Clayton? <laughs> well, what we do now is you, uh, you take your medicine. Yeah. Right? Like here's the thing about Bach. When they re-signed him, he was at the top of his game yeah. position. Um, you're not going to find a more important position outside of quarterback and on the offensive side of the ball. I'm okay with that deal. No one could predict what was going on with Bach. Now, like someone said in the chat, and it might have actually been Chris that pointed out, uh, remember, Bach was, Bach was old, remember. Very good point, Chris. Very good point. But, you know, as they're evaluating him at the time, they think, okay, we can get three more years out of him, whatever it is. Let's extend him. Um, I had no problem with that deal. Now, hindsight's twenty twenty, but looking back now, if you had to grade, was that signing good? No, it wasn't. I mean, you're looking at five – well, four – four of the highest cap hits on our roster. And Kenny's underperforming. Jair isn't on the field. Rodgers is laid up in a hospital bed somewhere, and he's on the roster for someone else. And Bakhtiari 
hasn't played, you know, just a handful of snaps in what, two, three years now. Goody is swinging and missing. And this is the part that bothers me that there's not more people talking about it. It's Matt LaFleur, fire him. Jordan Love's a horrible quarterback. It's like no one else is getting the benefit of the doubt. And Goody's just getting this pass. And I, I, that's why I'm like, I think Goody needs to come forward, try to take some of this heat off of off of Matt a little bit, you know, whether it works or not, at least show some kind of unity. Cause right now it feels like they just kind of shoved Matt LaFleur out in the front and said, here, have at it chief youngest team in the league. Right. Um, it's tough, man. Tough look. So I appreciate that though, Chris, man, that was a, a really good comment and very thought provoking Tim. Do you need to go right now? Or do you got time for one more topic? I got, I got a couple minutes. Let's do it. All right. Jordan love by location. All right. I want to hit on this real quick. Let me get that chat off right here. This is Jordan Love's PFF grade by location of pass, okay? Let's start with the depth. 20-plus yards down the field, 48.0, obviously really bad. Medium, 10 to 19 yards, 65.5. Short, 0 to 9, 72.3. Um, and behind the line of scrimmage, he's got, a P, he's, got, he's got a PFF grade throwing the ball behind the line of scrimmage of 64.1. Like, I don't, I don't even understand how that happens. But if you remove the short grade there, Tim, like he is historically bad, medium to deep passing. Now let's talk about where he's good at location-wise. Deep left, 47.1. Deep center, 55.4. Remember everybody's saying, finally, we'll have a quarterback throwing across the middle of the field. Maybe, just maybe, there's a reason that Aaron Rodgers didn't throw across the field in this Matt LaFleur offense last year in the, as far as the middle of the field. I'm just saying. Deep right, 53.0. Intermediate left, 80.2. That's his bread and butter, opening up and throwing to the left, intermediate. Intermediate center, 49.4. Again, this was supposed to be the thing that was going to open up this year. All year last year when I watched the tape, everybody was screaming, throw across the middle, throw across the middle. I'm going, his, Aaron Rodgers' superpower is throwing on the boundary. Why in the world do you want him to take that away and try to attack the middle of the field more than you need to? It just doesn't make sense to me. Uh, intermediate right, 65.8. Short left, 66.8. Short center, 82.6. That's where he's the best. Um, is intermediate left and short center. Short right, my goodness, on your on your open side, not your blind uh, side, your open side, 49.4. Behind the line of scrimmage on the left, 58.0. Behind the line of scrimmage in the center, 68.7. So quick summary, Tim. Intermediate left, strong point. Short center, strong point. Everything deep, he's cheeks. He's booty cheeks. What do you think, bro? Short center is his highest grade, and that's the pass he could have thrown yesterday that would have got us in the field goal range. Yep, there you go, man. So, <laughs> I, and I didn't even think about that. That's, that's a that's a great great analysis there, man, for sure. You know, like that's what we we talked about that going into the game, Clayton. You know, just look. I mean, it's one thing you, of course. Hey, you know, that's one thing we do love though. I love that he had the killer mentality to, to you know, hey, let's let's look that deep route and mm-hmm. you know t- take a shot if we can. The problem is, is we shouldn't have taken that shot. The ball should have been thrown underneath. And you know, again, we're on the couch watching it on TV. <laughs> right, easy, easy to say that, um, but as you would say, Clayton AJ Dillon was running butt naked through the trailer park, wide open, and uh, that would have probably got us close at least knocking on the door, even if we don't convert the first down, we maybe, maybe we put ourselves in a scenario to kick a, a really long field goal and yeah. see if uh, Anders could redeem himself for that earlier miss. Um, but yeah, Jordan. Um, and you know, the, the accuracy is something that 
you know, throwing in the nets and playing catch at practice is only going to do so much. That's mechanic related work, you know, real game experience and game speed, having to thread that needle or having to make the choice not to thread the needle and take the smarter throw. Um, mm-hmm. Those are things that are going to have to just come with more time and experience. I know people are sick and tired of hearing that, you know, he's not a rookie, but he is a first year starter. And this is the first time at the, at the NFL level that he's had to go in week in week out and uh, go out there and perform. And, you know, honestly, I'm in the camp of, you know, this, this uh, offensive, uh, whatever you want to call it, approach, concepts, scheme, game plans is not it's not doing him any favors. Um, yeah. You know, we can say that you, you talked about this yesterday. Great players make their teammates better. Well, great coaches get the best out of their players. You yes, can sir. give you can give guys on that Belichick level 53 of anybody and he's going to make that team go out there and compete. I mean, we saw that yesterday with their game. I mean, can't speak yeah. about that enough, man. They 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 gritted out a, a 300th career victory for for Coach Belichick over there, um, much to the chagrin of the uh, NFL officials. Uh, but <laughs> I'm I, glad I, you seen it too, Tim. When you said it yesterday, I lit up. I, I thought you were being sarcastic, like you disagreed or something. I was like, wait, is he being? He's seen it too. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I saw it. I saw it. I said, wow. And you could see the fury on Belichick's face because he knew what was happening. This ain't his first rodeo. Right. And uh, so he just put together one heck of a drive again with with Mac Jones, mm-hmm. you know, and and Zeke Elliott, um, you know, rounding out, you know, on the downswing of whatever prime that he had. Um, and these guys are finding ways to get crafty and get wins. That's what the the well coached teams do, even if you're short on talent. Everybody's talented in the NFL. You don't get to the NFL without being talented. There's just different tiers, like you said, and there's different. uh priorities when it comes to uh you know putting your team together but i i truly believe that guys in in green bay right now they do they need to be coached up and you know i i'm i'm kind of with you clayton you know you're you're a professional athlete first round pick there's expectations you know and guys that are certainly in their second or their third year should know how to do things like tackle Mm -hmm. they should know how to do things like have gap discipline um uh not break contain things like like that that should be kind of ingrained in your your football acumen uh by the time you make it to the national football league uh but i will contrast that with saying that you know jacob said it last night he hit the nail on the head you're still a coach and you know if guys are slacking on their fundamentals i mean i i mean i played sports i remembered anytime we had a bad game whatever sport it was if we were making you know fundamental mistakes we went into practice and we did the agonizing repetitive fundamental drills yep. until it was pounded in our head and we didn't make those mistakes anymore yep. you know i mean true man i i so, just i'd like to see it i'd like to see the guys coached up a little bit they need some direction it's a young team yeah definitely man um you know you you mentioned mac jones just now you said and he did it with mac jones check this out man according to esp and his quarterback stats mac jones is 15th in the league and completion percentage at 66.7. Jordan Love is 32nd at 57.5. And Mac Jones is throwing checkdowns galore, too. <laughs> yep. 52, and hey, one year game, didn't he? Is, sure did. Mac Jones is 14 points higher in completion percentage, 14% better in completion percentage than Jordan Love right now. Um, QBR, and then we'll, we'll get off here, Tim. QBR. Let's look at where Mac Jones is there. Mac Jones actually lower 
And Jordan Love and QBR at 42.4 because you, you guys know touchdowns come into play there. Jordan Love, though, is 17th in the league at a uh, 49.6. He now has 10 touchdowns, seven interceptions. Let's look at that real quick. Um, as far as touchdown passes, he's eighth in the league. Now, you got to be careful with that because it can be skewed with short touchdown passes, right? Um, interceptions, seven, right? So as far as who has the most interceptions in the league right now, Jimmy Garoppolo and Jalen Hurts both have eight. Jordan Love has seven. So he is third. Um, he's tied for third in the most interceptions in the entire league. Now, the touchdown catch or touchdown passes, like I said, man, that makes that a little bit easier to stomach. But, uh, again, Tim, if you need to get off here, you go right ahead. I'm going to finish up with comments, but you're welcome to stay if you want to, buddy. Um, let's see here. Uh, you Like I said, just hop off if you need to. Um, Paul Robertson said, Goot has been selecting athletic skill. Um, over football skill and it's showing up on film. That's my opinion too, Paul. I could be wrong, but that's what I'm seeing definitely. Um, you draft for upside and, uh, you know, it, he drafts for upside and he kind of ignores the how good are they right now. It's how – what you're drafting more for a ceiling than you are what's the floor, right? And, you know, when you're in a rebuild, um, whether you believe it or not, I'm not saying it is. I'm not going to get in that argument. But if it is a rebuild, you want to focus on that floor, right, in my opinion. And build off of that. Okay, look, let's let's turn this into a six-win team, an eight-win team, a ten-win team, and then the last pieces you put in place. Which, by the way, you know a lot of people put a lot of a lot of value in the wide receiver position. Bill Walsh was of the opinion that wide receiver is the last piece you put in place because you want to build in the trenches and at the quarterback position. That's how you win football games. Even for someone who was considered a finesse style co or a coach, and Bill Walsh with the uh, the founding of the West Coast offense. United Bates says. I'm talking about Jordan Love, he's leaving balls shorts. He has the arm um, feeling like a timing thing, question mark. I don't know. For me, it's it's a whole lot of timing, but also his mechanics. When you go back to the mechanics and you watch that throw at the end of Samori Torre, he threw it as flat-footed as you could. He didn't step into that throw at all. It was just kind of, okay, let me throw it out there, and he had all those check downs everywhere. Um, I mean, there's it's the definition, Tim, of post-snap read, right? The post post snap decision making, Jordan Love is one of the worst quarterbacks in the league right now, in my opinion. And you don't believe me? Go watch C.J. Stroud in Houston on a horrible Houston Texans team. Watch his post snap reading ability; it's it's remarkable. It really is. And he's a rookie. This is a fourth year vet. Um, let's see. Let's kind of go rapid fire here. We'll get out of here, guys. Um, all right. Uh, Paul Robertson said, "But if Goot is selecting guys with high RAS." then it's on the coaching staff to develop those guys as well. Great point, Paul. The problem is you've got two different types of coaches in this league. You've got scheme coaches. You've got developmental coaches, right? That's pretty common knowledge across the league. You hit a home run when you get both of those together, which I personally believe that's Kyle Shanahan, right? Now, Matt LaFleur is a scheme coach. That's, what he's, that's, that's what's seen as his positive, right? He's not a developmental coach. So you've got – this is the perfect example that Michael Lombardi talks about when you've got a general manager who's not uh, lockstep with a coaching staff. They don't have the same vision, right? And you don't believe me, go listen to Matt LaFleur and anytime he was asked about Aaron Rodgers and how he didn't want to let Aaron Rodgers go because that was someone who was already ready to go. You could scheme stuff up for that, right? And Rodgers putting his input in, which Matt LaFleur has always praised. It's amazing how the media makes that out to be a negative thing, which there's a lot of media members right now that are really quiet, Tim, that were saying last year uh, Rodgers needs to shut up and run the scheme. He's the reason he's holding this back. It's tough. It's tough to, to, uh, 
tough to realize for sure. All right. I mean, that explains a lot about why Rich Passaccia was made uh, assistant head coach because he's a developmental coach. Bingo. Bingo. And and what he's done with Anders, yes, Anders missed the kick yesterday, but Anders is looking like a solid pickup. I mean, that was that was all Rich Passaccia right there. Had nothing to do with Goody. Goody pulled the trigger, but that was Rich Passaccia going and picking out the next kicker for the Green Bay Packers. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and again, the way you neutralize Keyshawn Nixon on kick return, kick it out of the end zone. Blast it out of the end zone. Yeah. That's all you can do. So um all right, guys, we're going to get out of here. We're a little bit over. Tim, thank you so much for being patient, buddy. Um, I know Tim's got plans, so we're going to let him run, and uh, we're going to get out of here ourselves. I want to thank everybody for hanging out with us in the chat. You guys were awesome. I um, want to give a special shout-out to Josh Martin, Mike Hebring uh, for the Super Chats, and another shout-out to Nick McSwain, who gifted five, uh, five Packers Total Access memberships to the PTA Posse. Uh, we got some new members coming in here, and – and you guys, when you see them, when they comment, you'll notice the little logo next to them, right? It's got a little symbol next to them. Uh, make sure you welcome them in. we got a really cool group that's growing here. I'm excited about uh, where we're going as a channel, as a podcast. You guys are giving great feedback. I love the demeanor in the chat. This is exactly what I envisioned when we wanted to create Packers Total Access in a live form because you guys respect each other. It's all – it's good information that you're sharing. There's differing opinions. We're all looking at it from every angle, and that's what we want this to be this year, especially in the down year as we try to figure out, okay, what's the next step for the Packers? What's missing? What needs to improve? What's our strengths? What our weaknesses are? All that stuff. So be on the lookout. I'm going to go ahead and put together Chalk Talk. It'll probably be a little later this week, later than I would want to, but I want to do it justice. I'm not going to do as many plays as last time because before a long time, it's going to be three-hour shows. I'm going to try to limit it to five plays, and it's so tough but we're going to try to break it down. I will say this. I went back and watched the openers again and how that offense sputtered. And uh, I got to that that throwback screen to uh, – the, the the cross screen to Christian Watson that they try to throw all the way across the field. And I, that's the last one I watched. I was just like, oh, my God. <laughs> did this. The running – I mean, like you, you were moving the ball down the field just fine and you tried to get cute. Yep. And, you know, the throwback from Tay, it worked, right? And, and I'm not one of these guys that's, oh, it worked. Good play. No, no. You shouldn't be doing that. It worked. Absolutely it worked. But there it, was worked. No it was like eight yards, man. What did we even yeah. get on that play? That's the thing. They're like, oh, look, it was successful. You ain't complaining now. It's like, you act awesome. like they just hit a 60-yard touchdown. <laughs> <laughs> and somebody commented on that specific tweet. I won't mention any names of who tweeted it originally, but somebody commented and said, doesn't that seem like a whole lot of work for you guys to get that, that few yards? <laughs> like, yeah, there's a lot more that can go wrong in that situation for sure. So. I like plays like that uh, to start the game or like, you know, come out of half or, you know, catch, catch somebody slipping and then you run something like that and it can become an explosive play, but yeah. sticking it in the middle of a drive like that. It's just yeah. mind boggling to me. No doubt. Uh, Carly in the chat just said, um, let's go. Let's see where she said it at. She said something about watching uh, the 49ers. Um, yeah. Let's go. Let's go watch the 49ers kick the Vikings' tail. I immediately, Tim, I get it on TV. I look over, and the first play I see is an out route. Brock Purdy right on the money, perfect timing, perfect rhythm. Just <laughs> like, yeah, it's such a such a different, you know. And again, where's Brock Purdy in completion percentage? He's tenth in the league, sixty-seven point five, less than million dollars against the cap this year. Um, as far as touchdowns to interceptions, let's look real quick. He's eighth with ten touchdowns, one interception. You want to know why the 49ers are winning ball games? 
protecting yep. the football, taking and this what the is technically needs. his first year as a starter as well. Oh, there you go. Technically, and what did he start? Six games last year or something? Yeah. Second, second year in the league, and we've got a fourth year. You know, and again, it's not the bash love. It is what it is. Let's I guess we got to ask, what are we when we're drafting and developing? What is this development? You know, because <laughs> I'm not going to say names because I I felt pretty good about the people we had in the quarterback room and and in the, in this organization. But I mean, what what is the development then? What yeah. does that say about where we're at? Yeah, it's tough, man. It's tough because if you truly are, and Andy Herman put a video, I haven't watched it yet, but I've seen the, the snapshot, the thumbnail, and it said draft and development. I think it had a question mark or something, and it showed Goody, and it's like four years, four years developing this quarterback, and he has the worst completion percentage amongst starters and some backups. It's like yeah. tough, tough look. But, hey, look, we can only go up from here, right? Um, right. We're gonna listen. It's gonna be a rough season, but let's all hold each other accountable. If you see it, you got to say it. Let's identify what the problems are, and let's act as if we're a a unit that's being a mock version of the front office, the coaching staff, everything in Green Bay. And let's see if we can kind of figure out what is going on. Again, when you watch the game, you should come away with two things: what went wrong or right, and why did it go wrong or right? Okay, and darn sure. If you see it, you got to say it, right? And, and until they make the, the move on Jordan Love, this is my stance, Tim. It's my quarterback. All right, we're going down with the ship. Let's see what we got there. We already we all would agree this is probably going to – there's little to no chance of making the playoffs with the way this team's playing right now. Let's leave him in. Let's see what we got, see if he can improve, see if this team can get better and try to help make that decision as we uh, go into draft season because – um, you don't want to miss out on a generational quarterback. And there's a lot of people, a lot of smart people saying there's probably going to be a couple in this draft. So at least, but uh, that being said, Tim, thank you for your time, buddy. Thank you for being patient. Appreciate you scarfing down your food last second and jumping on here. Um, we're out of here again. Thank you for the super chat. Thank you for the, uh, the uh, gifting of the memberships there, Nick. Thanks to everybody in the chat. You guys are awesome. For those of you listening on the pod, thank you for making us a part of your day. As always, let's go out and be the change we want to see in the world and go back. The power sweep. Actually, it's the it's the lead play in our in our offense. Comes all the way around. You look at this play, we'll be trying to get a seal here and a seal here and try to run this play in the 